and some people were way against it. Some people were like, heck no. I mean, one of my uh, experts that worked with me was with a company yesterday, I won't say names, but they're like, we don't want you to talk about all the stuff that we do and this, and if you're training our competitors, then, and I'm like, well, that's sad. That's like the most scarce mindset. All right, everybody, uh, thanks for downloading, tuning in, listening, whatever you're doing. Uh, if you're listening, you probably already know uh, that a lot of what we do um, in terms of, of Vail's brand is trying to highlight and uh, showcase Utah neighbors, athletes, business people, leaders, thought, thought leaders. And, uh, and today is just another one of those ones that I'm super excited about. Um, if, you've, if you live in Utah, uh, you know that, uh, and you're probably familiar, uh, that uh, Utah is unique. There's, there's a lot of cities that have like hubs, right? So like you can go to Nashville, Tennessee or whatever, and, and that's like a country music hub. And one of the hubs that Utah, I, I think, unofficially carries uh, is, is the business uh, or the industry of the, the door-to-door sales. And, um, and we have one of, one of the guys who's kind of trailblazing within this industry um, in Sam Taggart, man. Thanks for, thanks for being here, man. No, excited to be here. So I, I want to kind of let everybody know, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually rewind and kind of go back to your come up, where you came from, and, and how, how you started and all that. Um, but you, you currently run a company called D2D, right? Mm-hmm. The D number two D standing for door-to-door right and uh can you let because it's it's interesting you technically are in the industry of door-to-door but you you've set yourself apart from maybe the typical because every year right there's utah jeremy nevis was here a few weeks ago and he called it the mecca of door-to-door and uh you know i mean you get all these companies popping up uh some new some here have been established um and and they go out on this summer trip somewhere, Georgia, Florida, wherever, and, and they go do their door-to-door thing. But D2D is, uh, is unique. Uh, why, don't, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what, what your company does uh, within the, the industry? Yeah, so we just felt like there's, now I've found thousands of companies all over the world. Um, like we have a guy today I talked to from Switzerland and, you know, like that does door to door and he's like, Hey, can I translate it to, to German? And I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, but you know, so thousands of companies, but nobody was really giving any kind of unification and, and, and honor and integrity and, and standardizing and tools and support. So I felt like this industry was such a, an awesome industry, but it's dressed up kind of like wearing garbage and crap like you know everybody kind of like spits on the door-to-door guys you know what i mean They're yeah like, oh you're in door-to-door sales like <laughs> but reality is like the guys that stick with it and have figured it out like even those that have moved on door-to-door has changed millions of people's lives you know and you know you look at some people like mark cuban and you know a lot of these famous businesses you look back and they got their start in door-to-door you know the the, the principles the skill sets the drive um, to, you know, in business. And I think that sales is very undervalued or not undervalued, but like not talked about a lot. And it's not like everybody's like, I want to be a salesman when I grow up, you know what I mean? And, but reality is it's one of the highest valued skill sets in any business. And, you know, door to door is the best place to go learn that and, um, and thrive in it. You know, I did it for 17, 18 years and it's changed my life, you know? So, I felt like it was kind of a broken industry. There was a lot of cutthroat. There was a lot of just bad raps, bad you know people and leadership. And I was like, what if we could really like unify it, up level it, bring some honor and integrity to to door to door? And so we built different programs from consulting to events like DDDCon, where now we're going on year four. Um, thousands of people come. We have like. Uh, podcast we have training online and we go to companies and help like build out their training and you know we have a guy a lady just texted me today she, I have one of my guys out in uh, North Carolina filming with a roofing company and just helping them film their content and 
Um, we do mastermind groups and coaching groups and, you know, just different services to really help people with leadership, sales and recruiting. So those are kind of our three pillars. So and so like and are most of your customers businesses or uh, is it's a business to business? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We sell to the salespeople and we sell to the businesses. Cool. And, and it's, it's fun when we go sell our services. It's like. So ready? I'm going to do an option close on you. One, two, three. So would you rather, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to like, you like call it out. You're like, well, I know that you're a salesman. And I know that you can call it my sales skills. So let's just be upfront. Like it's selling differently to when you're selling it to sales companies and businesses. I mean, B2B is a little different of a sale, but yeah, most of our, most of our clients are business owners. Uh, most of the people I work with are, you know, leading an organization and that could be a $500 million company down to, you know, a $2 million little three-man company. You know what I mean? So we get a mixed bag of different industries from like tomorrow I'm consulting a dude that's doing sanitation door-to-door, like COVID sanitation. And nice. he's coming in and we're doing a consult to, I mean, roofing, satellite, solar, pest control, alarms, uh, windows, you know, w- window client was in yesterday, you know? So like just different industries, you'd be surprised how many things are sold door-to-door. What's the what's the most obscure thing you've seen in terms of uh, business doing door to door? There's quite a few. I mean, hearing aids is one. My buddy Brady really? Jones runs a hearing aid thing. It's medical testing swabs is a different one that they kind of did. Is that it. more strategized? Him picking the hearing aid? Like, does he have a lead on? Which yeah, you kind of have to like target. <laughs> you're not going to your house. And you're like, you need a hearing aid? He's like, uh, no, that's offensive. <laughs> but you know, and then one 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 interesting one that came to our event was, uh, you know, we look at all the data, right? And so you know, you have hundreds of companies that come to our DDD con and we have other events. Like we have a recruiting summit in Bear Lake next month. And, um, but the, uh, fruit, there was a door to door fruit company. I was like, what you sell door to door fruit? Like, you know, like meat That's is a so common funny. one. Um, you know, meat has kind of been a historical DDD thing. Vacuums has been kind of, you know, you look at like the history of DDD vacuums was a big yeah. one back in the day still is. I mean, um, Books was a big one back in the day, and like encyclopedias, uh, yeah, like the encyclopedias. You know, the pioneers of door to door, and um, but the weird ones, fruit. I've seen, uh, man, I've seen all sorts of stuff. That's funny that that you bring up fruit. I just barely heard of a fruit van. My cousin said uh, they they had told me about. There's this van that kind of just drives to their neighborhood, and I guess they go to California and get a bunch of oranges and mangoes or something, and just fill up their van. And then drive here overnight, and then just honk Fresh. their horn. Yeah, really. And that then sounds like just, Mexico. Like yeah. I was in Argentina. Like, yeah. Blanco, huevo blanco, huevo blanco. And he's like, you know, he's just on the intercom driving down the street like every morning. And you're just like, get what your is press. he saying? And you're yeah. like, oh, he's saying huevos blancos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it. yeah, I, I just had heard of that not not too long ago. What about um, just this is maybe just a top of mind tip to if for the young young guys who are out knocking doors this year or next year or maybe or or even experienced guys when when people are coming to you and and you are the consultant what's kind of maybe a common uh, mistake that people are making in terms of uh you mean whether it's their approach or, or whatever what what's kind of something that's like Man, it seems like a, generally a lot of people struggle with this in the beginning or even later. Yeah, that's it. That's, I mean, it's a general broad question. I could probably go a lot of different directions with this. But the first thing that comes to my mind is I think a lot of times it's just that people don't really dive two feet in door to door. People go, oh, I'm going to do this for two years and then get a real job. Or, you know, I don't want to tell my mom that I own this solar company, but the way that we market is door to door. Right. And it's like, you know, we do online and that doesn't sound as like bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're a marketing company. It's like, Oh, okay. You're like, Oh, we're a door to door sales company. You're like, Oh really? Like you're one of those guys that shows up to my house at six o'clock at night and like bugs me (laughs) while I'm eating dinner. Like that's what you do. And you're like, I mean, well, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I feel like a lot of times people never want to take on the, the mantle of like, I knock doors. And, you know, if you were to go out in the parking lot, it's hashtag I knock doors on my truck. It doesn't even say my company name. It doesn't say, you know, and and every year we give out shirts that says I knock doors. And, and, and the reason why is because I think just until recently, people never really took pride in that profession and never saw it as a long-term viable profession. They never spent the energy and time and, and money to get become professional at it. 
And a lot of people dip their toe in it, try it for a year, you know, have this side gig going on or whatever. And, and my advice, like the problem is, is people are like, man, if I want to become a professional pianist or a basketball player, like you're going to get, you're going to study, you're going to spend money, you're going to go to conferences, you're going to go like learn it and be good at it. Yeah. And if you're good at it, guess what? We get paid like professional athletes. We get like the income in this is professional money. You know what I mean? And so I think that the biggest mistake is people kind of side swipe it. Like they, like they don't fully invest, you know what I mean? They're like, Oh, like if it works great or, you know, and they don't see it as a viable real job. And I'm like, this is a real job more than most jobs in my opinion. Like this is like talk about, okay, maybe it's a fake job. You make fake money. Like there's so much money in door to door and potential that it, sometimes like you have to kick yourself and you're like, dang, like a 22 year old kid just made, 400 grand like what <laughs> you know what I mean you're like I don't know any other 22 year olds making 400 grand right you know what I mean like but that's a thing that's like a very common thing where most 22 year old kids are trying to get a job at Chick-fil-a you know right. what I mean that's like so I I don't know that's like that's I think the number one thing that came to my mind I I think uh, I think there's a lot of value in that um, and I'm thinking about like because everyone like uh, everyone I, I remember when I was the young 21, 22 year old kid, and you and and uh, you mean all my friends are, are talking about you mean hey let's let's all go do do door to door, and and it seems like there's uh, every year or every couple of years there's there's the legend right like oh this person they came in and they did four hundred thousand or 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 whatever and and um, and then you get some people who maybe have like a pessimist or not I wouldn't let me rewind not pessimistic view, but they come out with this expectation that, oh, we're going to, we're going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to smash it. But like, I think what you touched on is is super important because like these, uh, you mean John Doe last year was his first year and he killed it, broke all the records of XYZ company. There's a lot that kind of goes, uh, behind the scenes. There's, there's, uh, it's like that old, you mean all the sports analogies come to my mind when we're talking about this. Like, how many times did Kobe Bryant miss those game-winning shots in practice? Probably more than way more, yeah, more than way more than he made, you know. But he had done it enough times, and that's all the stuff that nobody sees. But those principles actually translate legitimately and transparently to to really any industry. But it's, I think it's important that you talk about um, about that for the door to door space. And, and I'm speaking to every, anyone that's thinking about yeah. this. What, what are some of those things that if I'm a young um, potential sales rep or my first year sales rep, what are some of those things that you can do um, behind closed doors that that'll kind of separate you from uh, the average or you know what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, first thing is just study you know what i mean like i i've studied you know i have a podcast the ddd podcast and i've interviewed a lot of the top reps and a common trait i asked the question hey what did you do your first year what did you do that made you different people investing into training you know what i mean i think that people think just by going out and knocking i'm going to get better because i'm doing it well just because i'm shooting a basketball if i'm not shooting it the right way doesn't mean i'm going to get a better shot i'm just right. going to shoot a lot more baskets right and and maybe you get slowly better but you know if i were to change my form a little bit and use my legs and 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 critique and actually have good form doing it i'd probably make a lot more shots like fast and i think a lot of people they go out and they you know they do the summer sales or some people a lot of people do it year round and um they just think by showing up they're going to be amazing at it and that's where the, the 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 problem in this industry was or is is the recruiters like you're going to make 400 grand or 100 grand like this guy's going to make you know you're going to be the top rep you're you look good okay you're going to crush it and then all of a sudden they go out and that's where door door gets a bad rap like you know they go out and they make 10 grand and they're like wait i thought i was going to make 100 grand but they never were given the actual truth of like it takes effing hard work like not everybody it's not a glamorous thing like you're getting your face kicked in you're getting spit on you're getting yelled at you're getting cussed at like you're out there in the hot sun. I mean, I had a guy today call me. He's like, I'm in Arizona, you know, it's 120 degrees today. And I'm like, good luck, man. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like that sucks. Like it's, it's, you have to be willing to do the hard thing. And I think a lot of people mentally never come around to, you know, like 
like you said, Kobe Bryant, he had to go in the gym earlier and later than every other player. That's what made him really good. Like, and I think in any business, I think that's where if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an aspiring entrepreneur, I'm an aspiring top rep or whatever it is, you know, you, you kind of just got to ask yourself, like, am I actually committed and am I relentlessly trying to be the best? Like, because yeah, the, the truth is out of a hundred people that go out, not all hundred go crush. Some, like 30, 40 of those guys suck and go home and never want to do it again. And you got to ask yourself, like, was that how you show up in your life? So it's a huge, I've actually followed and studied this. So those 30, 40 people that go home, their next job, what's the, what's the result? The next job, what's the result? And I think that there's a mental barrier that is more important to overcome than trying to just go make money. It's kind of like, can I stick something through? Can I work hard? Can I change my mindset around like work ethic and skill sets and practice? Like, yeah, if you want to go plug in and be a call center rep that follows a script and just like, you know, does customer service all day, like, great. If that's your career, like goals and dreams, then great. But if your goal is to like go make it in business, like the first thing you should overcome is being able to like stick something out and succeed at it. And I feel like the society is just getting softer and softer and softer. And that's like why I like door to door and why I inspire it and why I want the, the youth and the college kids and old people like I want everybody to at least do it for a year because then it's like get some backbone like get some your face kicked in like that takes some grit and it calluses your mind so that you can win in other elements of life I think that uh that's awesome I'm glad I'm glad that you shared that um did you mind if I ask how old you are 30 30 so you just mentioned earlier uh you've been doing door-to-door for how long 17 years 17 years so how old so were did you know from whatever age you started that you were like uh i'm gonna do door-to-door for the rest of my life how, how no, did you even get into not that? at all like i i always knew that i was good at it you know um so i guess 19 years if you count dd experts time but i don't even consider this door-to-door um i started knocking when i was 11 and most kids can probably say like they sold candy bars and they did this and that no i like legitimately when I was 13 started a door-to-door curb painting business called the gutterman and I had 11 of my buddies working for me all through high school and that was like my income and my parents were like hey if you want a car go get a car if you want a phone go pay for a phone like I had to go earn my keep and I wanted to play sports and I wanted to go you know have fun and I was the one that always had the money because I you know would go out and knock and I'd get two to three four curbs in an hour and charge 15 20 bucks and I'd go make, you know, 50 to 100 bucks an hour as a 15-year-old kid. And then I'd make an override on all my buddies. Sure. And I had this, like, operation going through high school. The second I graduate high school, I, you know, three days later, ship out to Dallas, Texas to go sell alarms. So it wasn't like a question of, like, hey, should I knock door? Like, go sell alarms, go crush, go on my mission, come home. A month later, I'm out in, Dal- I'm out in Texas again. Like, it wasn't like this weird, like I never had a W-2. I've never had a salary in my life. And maybe I, I've avoided it because I just said, why would I go get somebody dictate my pay when I know I can go dictate my income? Like I'd rather go paint curbs than go work for 60 grand a year. Yeah. I'd make 60 grand in painting addresses on curbs. Is that how much you made? Is that you... No, I, yeah, I probably made over high school. I mean, you know, I'd go out for an hour or two like every other day. Like, I mean, it wasn't like, every effing day but right um yeah i made a lot of money in high school that's pretty cool and you you you're you're from here in utah but you didn't go to this high school here right yeah i went freshman year here and then moved to california right on it was funny i started curbs here when my cousin introduced me to it i moved to california and i was like hey can i like copy what you did like would you mind and he's yeah. like i don't think i'm expanding to fresno like you know what i mean like it was like like i wanted to be like cautious like you know i'm like i don't want to copy you but i mean i was making good money like doing it with you like you know what i mean and so i just kept doing that so that's awesome man now what about uh, the transition was it was it pretty smooth from curbs and then right after you graduate high school you're knocking doors in texas somewhere or yeah so i it's interesting. So I had a weird, you know, alarms and curves is much different, but in my head, you know, I do 10 curves in a day and it was like, yay. And, uh, so I go out Friday, I show up, my manager picks me up from the airport and, uh, 
I shadow him that day. And then Saturday is like, you're on your own. And I was like, really? Like, I don't even know what these things do. Like, you know what I mean? I had no idea. And I, uh, he gives me some folders with some contracts. He's like, all right, go figure it out. And I'm like, oh, okay. I call him at lunch. I'm like, hey, I need more paperwork. And he's like, what? Do you like mess up or something? And I was like, no, I just, you only gave me three and I'm at three. He's like, no, you aren't. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, how many are you at? <laughs> like, I had no idea. You know what I mean? And uh, I go get picked up. He gives me more paperwork. I end up with five that day. Well, I didn't know it was good. I didn't know. I didn't know what everybody else did. I assumed they did 10, 20. I had no idea. And uh, I show up to the office, to the meeting, and I did more my first day than anybody had ever done in, in like, that whole month, you know, or, like, had ever had a day of five. Like, everybody on the numbers board, two, three, one, zero, 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 one, two. And I'm up there my first day. I'm, like, five. I'm this 18-year-old kid, you know, younger than everybody and halfway through the summer. And, and it, anyway, it was interesting because – I learned a valuable lesson, so I didn't have the normal start that everybody did, but I also did go through some struggles where I, the next week, because I said, what does the average alarm guy do is first, you know, what's normal? And they're like, if you could do one a day, that would be awesome, which still stands to this day. If you could do one a day for a hundred days and do a hundred accounts, you'd make 40, 50, 60 grand. It's a great four months. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but that week I went and did five the next week, the whole week. And I was like, what the freak? Like, I five my first day. Like, why am I sucking now? Like, and it was all mental. And I learned that mindset had way more to do with it than, you know, all the technical skills and techniques and learning. You know what I mean? And sometimes we actually trick ourselves out of being really successful just because we put in mental limitations due to our environment. And anyway, so I got my face kicked in for a week. And then another week I got my face kicked in. And it was like really hard to kind of build myself back up to be good. And, you know, I finished with 80 accounts, just above average. It wasn't like I was the top rep. Like I was like, okay for my office, you know? And, uh, but every year I said, I'm going to commit to getting better and better. And then the second or third year, I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was definitely a wall that you hit in door to door. And I think that most people see door to door as like, Hey, I'll do it through college or I'll do it for four or five years or two years. And then I'll go move on. Right. And had you asked me back then, Hey, Sam, you're going to be like <laughs> preaching door to door from <laughs> to a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, no, I'm flipping off Texas being like, never again. Yeah. Will I ever knock a door. <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, I probably quit three times and then all of a sudden you think back and you're like, okay, I could go graduate college and I could go apply for a job. <laughs> I could go make X, like some 50, 60, 70 grand. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound fun either. You know what I mean? So like you look at a lot of times, like I don't care if you're 40 listening to this, 50 listening to this, like you might be a 50 year old making 50, 60 grand. Guess what? I know 50 year olds knocking doors, making a million bucks a year. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, are you too, is the ego stopping you from like, succeeding yeah and i think that's the biggest problem in door to door like my ego got to me when my like brother and my grandma and all the people i know are sitting there like are you still gonna you're gonna do this another year i'm like <laughs> i yeah I, I guess i think i am like you know what i mean like it's like really dude like when are you gonna grow up right like wait a minute i'm a millionaire you're working for the man i'm 24 you're 34 you're my like you know what i mean i'm like i don't like, what are you telling? Like, why are yeah. you convincing me out of this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm trying to like, anyway, I went through like some weird mental battles, I guess you could say. I think any door-to-door guy does. That's, that, that's cool. I, I, uh, you're making me think about kind of you starting out at a really young age, 13 years old, starting to do uh, knocking doors. And um, do, you, do you have any kids? I do now, three three little kids. So what, 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 what lessons do you take from, from the whole experience, of course, but especially like when you were younger teaching, you mean, you learned some really valuable lessons that I don't think a lot of 13 year olds learn, right? Like when I was 13 years old, I was still worried about the teacher catching my note that I wrote, like, right? Like, yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, it's interesting. That's a really good question. So 
I actually kind of want to like start a whole like course for parents that have like adolescents because, you know, I look at like even my six year old or I was on the flight. We went to California last week and my four year old actually, she said, dad, I want another, uh, another granola bar. And I go, well, okay, go ask the lady. <laughs> and most people would be like, oh, I'll go get you that. And I'm like, Nora, you've got to ask to go get and that's just a simple principle. And I think parents, they teach their kids not to talk to strangers that, you know, that's coddling, like that's embarrassing that you would make your four-year-old ask the flight attendant. But I mean, just a simple thing like that. Like I'm like, Nora, if you want another granola bar, she's the one that's got the granola bar. Go get it from her. She's like, okay. And she quietly goes, can I get it? I was like, Nora, speak up, ma'am. She's got something for you. <laughs> can I have another granola bar? Oh yeah, of course. And I'm like, you just learned if you don't ask, you don't get. And I'm like, you would have been without a granola bar, but she, she's learning from even a four-year-old that that's what it takes is you got to go ask for it. And that's sales. You got to go close. You got to go ask for it. And, you know, my, I remember my, I wanted a dirt bike and my dad was like, well, if you want a dirt bike, save up and get a dirt bike. Well, I'm like, well, how do I save up money to get a dirt bike? And so I was like, I could go sell golf balls. So I actually started selling golf balls and I sold magazines. And then by the time I started in curves, you know, I'm like 13, 14 and you know, all of a sudden I'm like got a couple grand in the bank and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go like, or, you know, I like whatever I had. And at that point I'm like, but I want a car. <laughs> so, so I was like, I can't buy a dirt bike cause I don't have money for a car. So then, you know, this, the, the, the discipline of saving the discipline of having to earn and, and value a dollar. I think that like a young kid doesn't really value, like when they get a Barbie or a toy or whatever, it's like, man, like that costs money. And I think that young kids don't realize that, you know, let's say you buy them a $30 Lego set. Well, if I'm getting paid $15 an hour, it's like, do you want to put in two hours of work for yep. me to buy you that Lego set? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like hundred percent. That's me putting in two hours. That means you put in like 15 hours, right. you know what I mean? Or whatever as a six year old, like, but I think that this, those simple business principles of, you know, and, and it's interesting, like my, we're actually homeschooling this year because it was like COVID and I was like, they're not going to get an education. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I was like, <laughs> and I was like, babe, we should do like a business class with our kids. And like, we could, we, I mean, with how easy it is to start an online business today, like you could have your five-year-old freaking making thousand bucks a week just by p placing the right ads and the right leads and the right, you know what I mean? You could teach them at such a young age today. Like I love it's it. nuts, dude. I love it. I do. I think, um, I, I love even that example of you telling your daughter just to ask because, um, man, you'll find like, uh, like even full grown adults, right. Have anxiety about, like, oh, yeah, just go talk to that person. And they're like, oh, no, 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 never mind, never mind. Yeah, and, it's so and common. Full adults, some of them have college degrees, right? And they're just like, I, oh, if, I, if I have to bug that person, then Yeah, no, I don't no, want to no. engage. Like, I don't know them. Like, yeah. You don't get what you want like until you ask. Like, and no. if you can't talk to strangers, strangers usually got what you want. Yeah. They got a better job. You don't know the future job you want. Yeah. They got a better, what do you mean, anything in life, like... Anyway, it's fun. I sell myself out of speeding tickets like no other. <laughs> you know what I mean? That comes in handy. Yeah. What about like, a, you know, this, this spirit that you have, like this, call it an entrepreneurial spirit or that salesy grit, right, to kind of just muscle through and get over, you mean, uncomfortable situations when you're face-to-face -face with someone. Did, did, did you just inherit that? Like, was that, like, was your dad the same way? Um or was that something you just picked up from your cousin saying, hey, let's go get a couple bucks? You know I mean, I, I'm wondering if you can teach that to your kids. I think you can. I think that, you know, I, de I, th I think I definitely inherited it from my dad. My dad started lots of businesses. He started OGO Bags. He started PMD, which is another big facial thing. He did big land development, real estate. Um, so, like, I think from a young age I saw my dad, like, have to go scra be scrappy you know what i mean like he was i remember he started this like bike lock that was a pump and a lock and he like invented it and he got it patented in china and i was like this is sick and we had like 
a thousand of them sitting in our basement. I'm like, what are we doing with all these? You know what I mean? Like, and he would have to explain that to me. He's like, okay, well, you know, first we have our prototypes and then we're going to go with the pilot. Like, you know, he'd kind of walk me through. And so I think that, you know, I was always like ideating, like even in high school, dude, I, I made, I crocheted. So I broke my pelvis when I was 14 and stuck in a wheelchair and you know, I'm out of basketball season. I was all pissed. And I was, my, my mom was like, well, I'll teach you how to crochet. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not too cool. Like I'm sitting in a bed, like right. I can't do anything. Um, so then I start crocheting beanies and I was like, dude, I, everybody loved my beanie. I was like, well, I'll make you one. How much? Uh, I don't know. 20 bucks. All of a sudden I had a list of a hundred orders, dude. Like I'm literally like at class, every class trying to whip out a hat. I had made three to four hats a day. I'd sell these for 20 bucks to the point where I got so overwhelmed with beanie orders that I like was just like, man, I don't know how long I can keep making beanies. <laughs> I should have subcontracted to some lady, but like, you know what I mean? But like, it was crazy. Like from a young age, I felt like I would look for opportunities to profit from, you know, a gap. You know, you can't buy a cool crocheted customized beanie at a store. But I could say, hey, what colors do you want ear flaps and a little ball on top? Do you want, you know, like this style or this style? And I had like that on lockdown and people yeah. like, dude, you got to get one Sam's beanie. This is sick. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, like I just had a knack for that. I think uh, to me, what to me, what comes to mind is. Is a uh, man, if it, you, I, I had an old coach, uh, like when I when I would play football way back in the day that would say, uh, like he who moves uh, has the power or something, right? And he was talking about like delivering a hit, you know what I mean, to, to tackle somebody or to hit somebody really hard. But I've always thought about that in just in terms of life, right? Like the person that just moves, right? Everyone, everyone has uh, these ideas, right? Call it a million dollar idea or a business idea or, or an idea for a food truck or whatever. Um, but the one that moves or the one that acts has the advantage over everyone because they're actually moving and the mistake comes and, and they learn it. And I, 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 I'm so obsessed with this idea that you're talking about of learning these things as a little kid. Cause like to me, when I learned these things, you know, some of these lessons as an adult, I'm like, I could have learned that. Like they're like, I didn't need to graduate high school. Or I didn't need to graduate college to learn this lesson. The same lesson that you're, you mean, in principle, teaching your daughter, you know, I mean, hey, just go ask her; it's fine. And so, I love, I love, I love that you brought that up. I don't, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but I think that's a that's a valuable thing for our younger listeners, or if you're a parent, you know, what I mean, integrating these kind of things um, into into your kids, uh, in what you mean, how you're raising them, or or what have you. But um, let's go back to your your journey because um, you started when when did the idea so d2d is is um d2d is oh like a, you guys started four four years three, ago four years ago yeah. three or four years ago when did the idea first come about um well it kind of is like a series of different moments right um i was at vivid selling in 2014 i think and I started a Facebook group called Can't Knock This. And the goal was to say, hey, anybody in door to door, share your techniques and tricks and tips, right? And Vivint quickly shut it down. And I was like, what the freak? Like, I can't like make a Facebook group that like share my stuff? Like, no. So I was like, uh, what the freak? And I started my own, fa uh, my own website for my own internal team called The Pack. And I built my own training. And Vivint was like, you can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean? I have my own training within my own people and I just go film my own stuff. I don't like yours. And this is Vivint, you know what I mean? And I, I was the top rep at Vivint and I felt like I had my edge and I could train my guys better. And I did. We had the number two per rep average in the entire company. So it wasn't like, like it was working and everybody's like, why is Sam's team's always good? And I'm like, cause I do better training than everybody. And I felt like I wanted to share that. And I moved on. I went in, I went into solar and, uh, you know, and I, I built like a, a direct sell site in, in solar. And, you know, I noticed that the biggest pain point was training. You know, there's so many steps, so many things. And I was like, what the freak? And then it kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh, Vivint's not monitoring me anymore. So I can start this Facebook group again and a podcast. And so I launched this podcast and, um, and I started to see that 
oh, people actually are willing to share. And some people were way against it. Some people were like, heck no. I mean, one of my uh, experts that works with me was with a company yesterday. I don't say names, but they're like, we don't want you to talk about all the stuff that we do and this. And if you're training our competitors, then, and I'm like, well, that's sad. That's like the most scarce mindset. I figured I'm like, how do I bring abundance to this industry? And so I went on a meditation retreat. I was in the desert. I know this sounds like made up, but <laughs> I'm literally in South U Southern Utah for three days fasting and meditating just solo. And, uh, you know, day two, you start to like hallucinate when you haven't eaten that much, you know? And, um, I thought like, I literally had like a vision and I was like, geez, like I see myself speaking on this big stage. And I was like, what is that? And I knew it wasn't Solstice. So I was like, that's not here. And I, uh, so it was interesting. I, I, I see this again and again, I keep asking like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And it finally came to me like the end of that day too, of like, you need to put an event together for the industry. And I was like, no, it's <laughs> like, that's not going to work. And I think God was just like, damn, like somebody's got to do this. Like it's got to happen. And I'm sure people have talked about it. There's probably been a hundred people who are like, I've had that idea. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I, so then like I'm driving home and I start a Facebook video and I was like, guys, we're going to do this sick event where everybody comes together. And, pe and I was like, what should we call it? You know what I mean? And, and we land on D2D con. Granted, con artist, obviously, is probably a terrible, like, we didn't even think of that. And people are like, really? You're conning people? I'm like, no, it stands for conference, you idiots. Anyway, so I'm like, now it's in the existence. I can't look like an idiot and actually not follow through with this. So I'm, I've never been to a conference, let alone freaking planned a conference. And I was like, if 500 people show up to this, that would be like the dopest freaking event. I'm like, I have 500 friends I could beg to come to this. Like, we could probably make that happen. We had like 850 people our first year. And the problem was, is going into it, I'm still the vice president at Solsius, and a lot of people weren't signing up because they were like, is this just some like recruiting ploy to like, <laughs> Sam's just genius. I'm not going to this thing. He's just going to recruit <laughs> us all. And I was like, no, I promise. Like, it's like to help the industry. Like, it's a good mission. Like, I really think this needs to happen. And, and nobody believed me, you know what I mean? Because I was a good recruiter. Like, a lot of people knew me in the industry as it was. And uh, I was like, well, I go to the owner of Solstice and I was like, dude, I, I can't do both. <laughs> like people, like I'm already doing this event. I can't work here and do this event. And he's like, so what are you going to do? I was like, I think I got to do this event. He's like, well, how much are you going to make on the event? I was like, well, I'm losing money. He's like, so you're going to quit the vice president role, making crazy good money to go do that. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. I was like, yep. That's, uh, that's what I got to do. <laughs> and it put my back against the wall. It was hard. And I just signed on building a house and I just, you know what I mean? Like we just bought a lot and it was like, Oh shoot. So then it was just a matter of survival. It was like, okay, what do we, what do we got to do to make money? And so I had a couple clients hire me to, to consult and I was like, Oh, that's some good like money. And you know, there are a couple companies I could help out. And, uh, and then it just kind of evolved into what it is today. You know, we kept the event annual and we've added, different events and you know at that that first event a guy comes up to me he's like so what you pitching I was like pitching I was like I don't know like I'm not pitching anything he's like wait you had 850 people in a room and you're not selling them anything I was like no like I just just thought it'd be dope to do this event he's like so what happens after the event I'm like I don't know <laughs> it's like, like I literally like there's just moments like that where I was like I don't know what's next dude like he's like well how are you gonna pay your bills I'm like that's a great question. He's like, let's whip up a coaching program. So I whip up this mastermind, literally day one, day two, pitch it and had like 10 people sign up for my mastermind that I just invented literally that next day. Like, <laughs> and I think that, but the, the point of this, though, if you're in business, like when you say those that move are the ones that like have the most impact or whatever you said yeah. for the football thing. And I think that too many people, they, they think it needs to be perfect. Like, you know, they would have had, Oh, well, we hadn't thought this plan out and we hadn't thought of the coaching thing. And we hadn't thought of the event and we hadn't thought of it. And you just got on Facebook and you just said this and you didn't even know the name and you just like started doing it. And it's like, you know, I think that that's, what's made us successful. Like, you know, we've had astronomical growth over year over year. And, you know, we have 30 employees now and we have three technology platforms and other stuff. Like it's, it's really cool. Like, but it, but it comes back to like, I see a cool hole 
and I'm the first to run through the hole and not be like, what's in the hole? Like, should we like, you know, are they going to come at me fast? Is it like a big dude running at me as a running back? Or is it like a little dude? And you're the linebacker. You're like, I need to go fill the hole. Like, I don't care who's running through the hole. If it's the fullback or the running back, I'm freaking sending it. Like, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. That's my two, my story, I guess. Dude, that, that is so powerful. I think, um, for, for what you just mentioned there at the end, it's uh, just 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 move, man. Just move and figure it out. And I think and and um, that's inspiring because I think everybody and I mentioned this earlier too. Everyone I think um, has it in them, right? We're all I believe we're all you know we we create, right? Like we we're meant to create. You know what I mean? And if it's a business or or whatever, if it, if you're a baker, we just had um, Alicia Nuttle here, who's um, a baker from the the food channels show cupcake wars she won but she that's what she does she she makes cupcakes and then she turned it into a business and so i just think just move and 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 you'll figure it out and i also wanted to mention that uh this is what you're doing is pretty legit like uh and i mentioned to this i mentioned this to you before we started recording but i first came across d2d with um I was on social media and I follow Ed Milet, who's uh, like one of the biggest influencers, right, on, on social media. And, and he does, uh, you mean, he's kind of just a really good business coach. He does a lot of coaching and things like that. And then all of a sudden I was watching his Instagram story and he's in Utah. And I was just like, wait, why is this dude in Utah? And then he's like, I'm speaking at this D2D conference. And, and I was like, wait, what the heck? So then I looked up and I see... And I see you, and I, and I think, uh, and I might as well plug you too. Go follow, go follow you, because um, the the stuff that you talk about, and, and you're you talk about, you're, it seems like you're really good at making analogies. Like I, there was a the other day you were driving and you took a frontage road instead of the freeway, on your story, and you you related it to life. Like hey, just you know, go look for don't don't follow everybody. I don't remember how, but I was like, man, that was a really good actually analogy that I think is applicable to a lot of you mean life and so um so what, what what's your instagram handle at the sam taggart at the sam taggart so um follow follow him because i think uh there's just not just business stuff not just door-to-door stuff but but just stuff that i think applies to life um now it, and if you follow this is one of the first things that i noticed about you man when, when i started following you is um you're like a really happy guy and I'm sure you get that a lot like you're always smiling you're like uh really upbeat you're one of those guys that seems like um you're just full of energy when I met you earlier today same thing you know what I mean you're on the phone say hey what's up man like you know what I mean throw up the shotgun and it's it's uh you are who you look like you are on on social media and for people like that I always wonder because I'm like man that dude's just like full of energy he's always happy what what's what what breaks you down, man? You have to cry sometimes, man. Like, or what what's hard? What do you struggle with? Because I think sometimes people might be like, "Man, that dude's just good. He's just one of those dudes that has the magic gene, and he's just good and happy at everything." That's a great question. Um, I would say like intimate relationships. Like, I mean, I've always had. I've struggled. Like, I think everybody has like a poison, right? You know, it's like some people are addicted to pain pills some people are you know and and whatever they have their thing I think my marriage has been always my struggle you know you you get so fixated on certain things that you you sometimes sacrifice other things that mean something you know what I mean and I think like that's probably what creates like I love my family love my wife but I think that you know with all this running and gunning you know what I mean sometimes it causes marital problems you know what I mean and I think a lot of business owners and um, people that are hustling are out there probably could relate to that, you know. And I think, you know, those moments, what what makes you cry or what makes you down is when your wife comes to you and is just like, I'm feeling lonely. Like, you never pay attention to me. Like, you you know, I, I'm, I'm out here handling the kid and you get all the praise and you get mm-hmm. all the love and everybody worships you. And I just sit here and get thrown up on all day, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, and I think that... Um, that's hard sometimes, you know what I mean? It's hard to be like, hey, like I sacrificed just like you sacrificed so we can have this life. And um, 
but sometimes that's hard to communicate that, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I actually, um, I've, I've thought of like one of like my many gazillion ideas. I've always thought about that, like the, the significant other. And I was like, man, that'd be cool. A cool, like little documentary, like not a long one, just a short one to kind of highlight, you know I mean? The person behind the person that everybody yeah, sees. Yeah, like you've probably never, ever seen Christina Ed Milet's wife. Yep. But like I walk up, I did a podcast at his house. I didn't know who she was. I'd never seen her. I'd never seen anything about her, right? Um, they've been married 20-something years. Um, and I get done with the podcast. I'm walking up. He lives in San Diego. And I'm com- he's got like a four-story house. It's just like really steep because it's on the cliffs of like yeah. the, the rocks, right? And I get to the top of the stairs. I'm like, man, you must have buns of steel. Cause like, you know what I mean? And I turn the corner and I see his wife. I'm like, Oh, hello. Like, like <laughs> awkward thing to say. My name's Sam. You know what I mean? Like was not expecting to see you right here. You know what I mean? And, and Ed's like, uh, not the right thing to say. Like, you know what I mean? And, um, anyway, but like, you know, you don't see, it was fun to get to know her and see what she probably goes through. And like, you know, and, and asking people like Ed Milet about that. Like, and, and when I interviewed him, I actually, we talked about that. And, um, because I think that, you know, some move on and they have a divorce and, you know, look at Bezos and some people have, you know, they, they never can figure it out. Some people do, some people f- struggle their home marriage. Like, you know, everybody has their own. And I think that most people would be lying if it's not a, a battle, if yeah. they're, you know, in a Uber focused direction to balance that, you know? Yeah, man. I think that, and I think what you're talking about is a common thread, like for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? That's, it's, it's hard to, to juggle and, and work-life balance doesn't really exist, right? When you're trying to, I think, you know what I mean? Start a business or whatever. So I, I appreciate you, you know what I mean? Getting a little vulnerable and, and sharing, sharing that. Um, I want to go back to this year cause this year is kind of crazy, uh, for everyone, but, I imagine like uh, the door-to-door space, you mean, would have been hit when when all this stuff comes out about, hey, nobody go out to work anymore or whatever. Um, and that's what door-to-door sales guys do. They go out there. Yeah, it's face-to-face did, selling. <laughs> you know what I mean? how, how did you react and how, how has your company adapted to kind of uh, the circumstances that 2020 has brought to the table? Yeah, interesting question because like, when it first happened, they sent it on lockdown. I mean, dude, D to D was like, what the freak do we do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, it's like March. Everybody's going out and the like, summer sales is starting in April. You've got like, you know, lockdowns. You got like people thinking they're going to die if they go outside. Like, I mean, it was, it was wild. So we, we took an approach of like, hey, let's adapt and teach, you know, virtual selling. And we created some online courses to sell um, how to do virtually, how to, how to mine your lead database, how to do, you know, we kind of got into that space, but it was stupid, honestly stupid. The, but what I did, I, I think that was a miss because that's like getting out of our roots, right? Um, but what I did from the very get-go, which was, I got scrutinized for, you know, it was 50, I, I, I posted a Facebook post in our Facebook group, DDD Tribe, and, you know, it's got 500 comments on it. So I'm like, Hey everybody, best time to go knock. Like my opinion from the get go is like, it is Saturday every day. Everyone is home. Some people took that advice. So there were some door door companies that said, yes, let's go ham. And some people shut their doors and still have their doors shut. And it has affected them dramatically. Um, some people took three months to come around to the fact that they could probably still go make it happen. Um, and you know, we, we, we took the approach of like, Hey, we are going to double down on our business. So we hired, we went from like eight employees up to 30 employees. We have systemized new systems, new processes dialed in finance. Like I hired a CFO and we got like so dang organized to where it just catapulted our business as D to D as an industry overall, every client of ours that we consult had their biggest month last month ever in history. The guy that I was on the phone with just right when I was coming in biggest month last month, you know what I mean? Like record breaking year for most companies, which is so interesting that through a pandemic, those that saw this as an opportunity have been having record breaking years, record breaking sales years, record, like 
you're like, what the freak? Like, you know what I mean? But I think it's because it goes back to people are actually home. <laughs> and some of them are like, oh, somebody to talk to? Yes. Like, <laughs> hey, you want to come in? Like, you know That's what I mean? They're like, I've been on quarantine for three months. Like, <laughs> Eyes wide open. Yeah, just they're <laughs> just like, their pail is wide. You know, they open the door. They're like, oh, person, don't bring COVID, but please come in. Like, right. You know, you, you just get this like mix of bag. Like, and then some people are like, what the F are you knocking on my door right. during the pandemic? Like, you son of a and you know you have some harder no's but i think overall the feedback has been best year ever so it's super weird that's incredible man um maybe three or four more uh questions sections type of thing there might be a few extra questions i'll sneak in but um i want to ask what 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 your advice is on kind of muscling through um hard times, right? 2020 is a hard time as an entrepreneur, right? If you're folk, you might, your family might have to pay a price because you're sacrificing your time. Like you mentioned on, on building your business or brand or, um, or, or, or whatever it is, right? Everyone is going to hit a low, whether you want to be an entrepreneur or if you want to be a scientist, lawyer, doctor, yep. right? Everyone's going to, going to, going to hit a rough patch and maybe 2020 might have, had the best month for you for others. It yeah. For others, people had to shut their doors. I mean, we yeah. had a client that took that approach. I mean, that, it was a hard year for them and they just literally COVID shut down. They said, Hey, we're going to stop your services and we're going to just shut our doors and we're going to sit it out. And I'm like, I know people literally five blocks from you that are having their best <laughs> months, dude. Like, what are you doing? Like, well, but he took that route and he had a hard time and I feel bad for him. And, um, and I think some people like, I look at the restaurant businesses. I look oh, at like tough. massage dude or yeah. like a, I mean, there's certain industries that it's like they couldn't do anything. Like, yeah. it's, it, it's, I feel bad. Like, but well, so like on a personal development role, but I want you to speak from your experience all in all aspects. Yeah, right? I think. Well, what would your advice be for someone who needs to, you mean, climb out the hole? I think the bigger problem is they, they, they're, they're tunnel visioned on the problem, right? Like they need to get to a higher elevation to say, where's a different vantage point? And you're looking at it from like in the weeds and you're in it and you're like, like, going through it but it's like you look at like anybody that's become anything they've gone through some hard crap like it just is and it's the difference between those that succeed in life and and just kind of become average or suck like they know how to see things from a certain vantage point and if you really look at most search situations it always could be worse so if you have a attitude of well, could it be worse? Like if, like, let's say that you just broke your foot, your, you know, face got smashed in by a hammer right. and you lost your job all in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know how those three things happen today. I could say, well, tell me a scenario where it could be worse. You could have broke both feet and you could have lost your arm and they could have like your wife could have left you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I guarantee you, you could have come up with a way that it could have been worse. Yeah. Most of the time people can't think of how could it be better? You know, or they always think of how it could be better. Like, well, obviously it could be better by me not breaking my feet. And, and people look at that vantage point like that. And I think that creates depression. It creates this cycling of my life sucks, but it's like, dude, go to freaking Cambodia and get sex trafficked and, and like, yeah. like have no shoes. Like then, then come back to me complaining. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, I don't know. Like it could get way worse. Like, yeah. so I think shifting a, a paradigm and, and being grateful and looking at things as well, could be worse. What about, uh, going back to your company D to D what's next? What do you see? What, what does the future hold? What's your next vision? You had the vision of you speaking on stage. Uh, what's next for you guys? Yeah. I mean, it's just keep it like we just added a recruiting department. Um, that's been blown up, like helping companies recruit, um, you know, we are expanding our team of consultants. We have an app that we're working on. That's going to be really cool. Um, we have a, a lot more like industries tapping into a lot of people are like, are you just always going to be DDD? And that's like, dude, like some of our biggest lists and leads that we get are insurance. We don't do anything with insurance, real estate. We don't do much with real estate. Like, you know, there's so many industries that we haven't even like specialized or tapped into and our principles work not just door to door like think of residential but there's b2b d2d there's 
you know, it's, it's our, our, our formula is it's like the more you can recruit, you know, bodies, the more people those bodies talk to and the better the closing percentage is, the more money you make. It's a simple formula. <laughs> like if I had 10 guys and I helped you get to 20 guys, all did the same thing, you would double your company. Right. You know what I mean? Like if I helped your guys talk to five people instead of three people every day or 50 people instead of 25 people, you'd double your company. You just don't get in front of it. You don't have enough attempts. Like, so it's just teaching the formula and, and the systems to create culture and motivation and, and that. So I think you just see us kind of expanding into different um, elements of that. Cool, man. I want to, as, as we um, kind of wrap up, I want to um, kind of ask a few lighter note questions, right? But because Vail, our, 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 our idea or the, the, the brand is Utah Media, right? So, um, and we want to highlight businesses and cool things, everything Utah. The idea came from, right, like a, a few years ago when the Warriors didn't want to play the jazz because Utah didn't have a nightlife. And, uh, and they said it in the press. And I, that's where the genesis of all this was. I was like, man, forget you guys, man. We don't want you playing in Utah here anyways. And I was like, man, I, there's a lot to be proud of. And, and if it's green jello or whatever, man, I'm, I'm down with Utah. And so um, this is the first time in all the podcasts we, we wanted to add some of these questions. But, like, um, let's give, give us some of your Utah favorites. So, like, let's, let's start off with um, – when you're, what's a, what's a spot that you like to go eat at, like, that you can only find in Utah? When you're... Cubbies, dude. Cubbies? You get those whoopie pies and that steak torta, it is so good. Over, huh? Yeah. Cubbies. And Cubbies is a Utah company. Yeah. I, I, that's right. Um, what about, what is your favorite spot? Maybe, like, if Lake or where, where do you like to kind of go, go, where's your happy place to kind of meditate and... Um, I mean, I hit Corner Canyon a ton right now. Nice. I mean, it's got a lot of good little spots because I mountain bike and I run. So I do trail runs and mountain bikes. And Corner Canyon is so close. It's convenient. It's pretty. You've got a great view, and you can just rally. There's tons of trails. <laughs> Last one of your favorites. What's your favorite thing about Utah in general? Um, oh, I guess Lake Powell. I'm going to put that plug. I got a houseboat in Lake Powell, and it is paradise. I think it's the most under talked about spot in the world like it's gorgeous so lake pal but um especially on a houseboat man dude it is life-changing so um favorite uh favorite thing about utah is just like all four seasons you know a lot of people like i can't handle the cold i'm like what do you mean like i'm talking i wake up and i go skiing for an hour and like work on the freaking mountain on calls and then you know Four months later, I'm playing golf in, like, the best mountain courses in the planet. Yeah. In the fall, you got, like, Hobble Creek, and I golf a lot. And it's like I, people are like, oh, look at this golf course. Like, I was out in uh, in uh, California, and I played at this golf course. And I was like, dude, this is $180 for 18 holes, and this course sucks in comparison <laughs> to, like, some of our, like, basic public courses. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to them, they're like, this is so fancy. I'm like, yeah, the clubhouse, but the course is flat, and it's boring, and it's like – you know what I mean? We go and like have a tee shot where you have a cliff that's like 400 yards down. <laughs> it's so like, cool. you know, anyway. I love it, man. Well then finally our last question, and this is the question we asked to, to everybody. Um, when you consider everything, your journey uh, as an individual, as a business owner, as a door to door salesman, when you're a kid and everything, uh, what are you most grateful for? Um, I think like, there's two, I mean, I would say those that have like kind of made an impact. So like key mentors in my life and I can name some and my wife, my parents, you know, like the support, like my mom, for example, she's very like, Hey, I'm your biggest fan. Like whatever it is, like it could have been crocheting. And she's like, I'll get you more yarn. Like, what do you like? You know what I mean? Like, like always a cheerleader. Um, and then, you know, on like an internal, I think I've always been grateful for the competitiveness within I think a lot of people never show gratitude for that like inner competitiveness, but it's like, had I not had this like self-driven competitiveness inside me and shown gratitude to that, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be motivated to do what I do now. You know what I mean? So like the external, it's like my mom, my wife, like um, those that support me and like, let me do this. Cause I look at some wives and they're like, hell no, you're not going to California <laughs> on a business trip. It's like, 
I was like, I'm like, hey, babe, I'm going to Tyler and then Dallas and then North Carolina next week, which is next week. And she's like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And where most women would be like, you didn't ask me about these consulting visits. And it's like, I just get to do that. And so she supports me in that. So That's awesome, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Taggart. And uh, we, uh, we appreciate you having, having you here, man. Thanks, dude. Thank you.